0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our Wonder Women in Business podcast, we give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling, and often funny. We share these stories with the world so that in these women's uh, shining, they give permission to others to do the same. Now, I'm the type of person that loves to shine the light on others and make sure that they pay it forward and shine the light on others as well. Today's amazing guest is Trish Lilly from Struck. Trish, welcome. Um, Do you go by Trish or, or Patricia?
1: Never Patricia, most certainly not Pat, and always Trish.
0: Thought so, thought so. Good, I got that right. Well, I have known by virtual means and through mutual friends Trish for a long time, and in watching her on social media and and so forth, I see a lot of what I like, what I am drawn to, a person I would want to have a lunch with or a coffee with, a coffee date. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Trish.
1: Um, I am a journalist by training I have a a bachelor's in journalism back when that was actually something that um, was a profession that you could pursue in right. fact I majored in news editorial um, primarily print so while I was in college I wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer covered a number of beats and it was at the time a Pulitzer Prize winning paper I also covered federal court um, in Philadelphia uh, for a number of newspapers, probably about 12 or or 14 in total. And it was um, an interesting exercise both in sitting in federal courtrooms and watching some of the best lawyering that you'll see um, out there, Um, but also getting really familiar with litigation procedure firsthand as you followed cases and and followed the filings. Um, And at the same time, writing up a story for a legal newspaper where you were focused on the legal nuances of a, of a case and then writing it for a tabloid where it was, you know, fed, snab, drug kingpin, whatever. So it made you very agile in how you in, uh, interpreted your day's work. Um, when I got out of college, I uh, did some jumping around, skipping around, trying to find myself stuff. And uh, I ended up working at the Philadelphia Bar Association for close to five years where awesome. I... It, I administered all the, um, I always say the non-glamorous side of the bar association, so not the big fundraiser dinners and things like that, but I did all the legal services for the indigent or low-fee clients across the city. I was the staff liaison to the public service law firms that were out there um, in the community, so um, that was really an interesting education as well, both in um, the severe needs that exist in the community, and then also the really dedicated uh, public interest lawyers who devote themselves to meeting those needs. Um, and then I fell into law firms around 1999 and uh, worked for Chad and Park at 30 Rock in New York, which, although a smaller firm by today's standards, was a really interesting firm to start with because it had a very strong international presence. Wow. Uh, in, you know, outposts in Kazakhstan and Moscow and wherever else. So it was a great first law firm experience. Um, and that was sort of a hybrid job. I did associate development, I did recruiting, I did um, a forms database, I was assigned to the corporate group, I did marketing and BD. So I learned a lot about the workings of, you know, a large international firm. And um and moved on from there, primarily in uh, business development roles. I worked at Deckert, uh with litigation, which is my favorite flavor of law. No offense to my corporate lawyers or my restructuring lawyers. Um, same, just, here, know, same here, same it's, it's what I know. It's what I do. And I think the litigator personalities align with my personality pretty well. <laughs> <Same> um, <here. laughs> yeah. And that was really, it was like, Deckert was a great place to cut my teeth on BD. Um, it was very substantive. I learned a lot. Um, and I worked, uh, at a number of firms and then I spent 10 years at Fox Rothschild, um, left in, uh, in June of 2018 as uh, chief marketing and business development officer and came to Struck, Struck and LeVan in New York, um, in the same role here, just because I, I thought I needed to mix it up, you know.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I have to say, um, I love your path. I, I, I can relate in many ways. I too have, um, I have a bachelor's in both political science and another one in journalism, but mm-hmm. instead of going the route of a journalist, which I, I love the old style, real investigative reporters, eyes on the ground, truth to, you know, truth to power, none of this fake news stuff and propaganda that we see today, but real news. Um, I did not go that way. Instead, oddly, I became a lobbyist and went the way of the political science. Um, so right. the, dark, the dark route, <laughs> But I love that you were in there, in the newsroom, in the courtroom, listening to the litigators do their thing, reporting on what you learned. Um, My favorite branch is litigation as well. That's where my passion is and training lawyers and so forth and so on. Um, You sound fascinating. Like, now I'm thinking I need to actually make a trip out there, meet you for coffee, (laughs) have a real face-to-face.
1: Yeah. You're a schizophrenic with a patchwork background, I don't
0: know. (laughs) I think it's multifaceted and robust. Those are the words I would use to describe describe your background. Um, (laughs) I think it's great how you got to where you are. You certainly deserve uh, the title, the pay grade, the raise, the whatever it is that you're getting that's good. Um, What a path. That that was sort of a jaw-dropping story. I had no idea. I mean, I thought I checked (laughs) you out, but I really (laughs) did not do my investigative journalism there. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, you're fascinating. So all along that path, um, what do you think was your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Um, you know, I, I was published in uh, the Sunday uh, Sunday edition of the New York Times uh, with an article I wrote on vegetable marketing when I was 19, and it's been downhill since then. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that really was uh, a big coup for a kid at that age. Of course, I was writing for a wire service during an internship I had in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where I spent a summer that felt like a decade. And, um, you know, so there was no byline. It simply said Associated Press, but I was pretty happy with myself. That's um, incredible. More
0: recently,
1: Yeah, it was fun. Um, more recently, however, I think that, uh, you know, what I take the greatest personal satisfaction from is the mentoring I've been able to do um, for younger folks, um, less senior folks, or folks who are perhaps as senior but newer to the industry um, as I've worked in legal marketing and initially I was doing that through um, my work at firms like Dwayne Morris or Fox Rothschild Um, and then as I sort of re-engaged with LMA the last um, decade or so I've been able to do that through connections I've made uh, through LMA. And so it's really gratifying when you see someone come out of college um, and you you see the spark in them, you see the skill set, but maybe they don't have the confidence or they don't know which direction to go in or how, you know, how, I don't want to misstep in this situation or whatever. And you're able to offer them guidance and substantive knowledge and, you know, the benefit of whatever woeful mistakes you've made over the years yeah. um, or whatever, you know, actions you haven't taken because you were too intimidated or too cautious or whatever else it is. It's great to see those folks succeeding. Yeah. Um, so I feel a little bit like, you know, Charlotte and Charlotte's Web, all my baby sliders of, of the world. Um, I love Which means that. I guess I'm picking it soon since Charlotte dies at the end of the novel. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just keeping it on uh, the uplift uh, here for you, Susan. Uh, uh,
0: you're so funny, but I love that analogy. I love that movie and the book. The book is even better as always. But I want to say that's so great. That's so admirable. Now, that's totally in keeping with what I do, why I do it, my who I am, how I was born. I mean, you totally lift others, pay it forward, help others. You know, like you said, uh, women, and, and I'll tell you this, women don't get the recognition they deserve often because we prevent problems so even by teaching others the lessons you learn from the mistakes you made or bad things that might have happened that Mm -hmm. is helping them to prevent problems and making them a better leader or stronger whatever role they have I I just think that's so so amazing I see a lot of that in Cynthia Voth as well you two are both um, right yeah um, definitely with Cynthia mentor superstars so do you ever address um, mentorship versus sponsorship and what it means and how they're different and you know those sorts of things with your people
1: um I don't so I mean I you know at Fox I I worked with um a team that was largely comprised of millennials and um I think I'm an honorary millennial because I seem to have a lot of the traits that millennials are that are attributed to millennials um and i thought they were largely great and we had a good time and I learned a lot from them. But, um, you know, (laughs) just in, in collaborating, I think I get the millennial mindset, you know, much of it is say, Oh, they want to be promoted right away, or they want to be this or they want to be, they want context for their work and they want some meaning. um, And they'd like to see some impact from the things that they're doing. So um, I don't know, you know, mentoring or sponsorship. I think a lot of it's just collaboration and investing other. Right. Um, So I, you know, I, that's how I look at it.
0: So for me, when I, uh, so I'm a, I'm a millennial wannabe, let's just put, I'm 50 for the record. I'm a millennial wannabe. I kind of get the whole, I don't care as much about money. I care about my happy quality of life. I want balance. I want, I get that. That's kind of healthy, dude. I mean, I think we grow up to be Um, You learn life lessons, and if you don't learn them, they're going to keep coming at you. You know, this situation will present itself again until you get the lesson. I think millennials are open to learning the lessons sooner rather than later, like some of us hard-headed by the book
1: used to be um, folks out there. But yeah, I I love that story. You know, actually, sorry to interrupt, but one of the things I always tell folks who, um, you know, who I have that sort of mutual investment in and, and, and and who I mentor um, I always apply the five-year rule, you know, in five years, will it matter if I, but don't go that to work today, go to my kindergartners play, um, get, you know, whatever, get this lump in my knee checked out, whatever it happens right. to be. So put You need to put things in perspective. I think many of us who are drawn to and who succeed in the high tension, um, yeah. Fast-paced. Yeah. You know, sort of fast paced, environments of law firms where you need to deliver results and deliver them quickly and deliver them you know succinctly and accurately and all of these things we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and um, we don't always put things in perspective we're more focused on you know execution than on in the greater scheme of things it does it really matter if I take an extra day to do this and I do this other thing instead so and that can help you achieve balance if you take those steps back and look at it with a with a broader perspective.
0: So, so I have studied Buddhism and I think a lot of what you say there comes from those kinds of concepts of, um, you know, being mindful and being present and understanding perspective and keeping, as we might say, a force ranking of the things that are most important to you. Um, mm-hmm. Health and well-being should at the top, should be at the top. I mean, definitely. And by the way, in this conversation that we have, um, there's no interrupting. You feel free. Jump right in. I call it <laughs> overlapping to make people feel better. So <laughs> <there's just laughs> overlapping that goes on. Um, well, let me ask you. You've been very successful, and I know that um, there's been, you know, win or learn for you. Never lose. I've totally in in the the path that I've tracked or traced. It's win or learn, never lose for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your who's your who's your inspirational mentor? Let's say that who's inspired you the most.
1: Um, I think that's an interesting question. I mean, there have been a few people who have been inspirational to me in different ways. Um, Probably one person was just a, you know, a headhunter I worked with in my late 20s. Um, I was very influenced by my couple of years in parochial school. So I was a yes sister, no sister. I did my job. I did it well. Kept kind of quiet. Always followed the rules, that sort of thing. And, um, but then I would be myself when I was, you know, talking to her, I would be more relaxed, whatever else. Um, But otherwise, I was largely buttoned up in professional environments. And she said at one point, you know, Trish, you're your own best asset. So you need to let this person out. (laughs) You know, because I had this sense that, well, being professional is being, you know, absolutely dull and humorless and quiet and whatever, and competent. Um, So I think I learned from her to, you know, trust myself and know that it was okay to be myself in professional environments. Um, so that was important. And then, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it made a big difference to me because, you know, I was all about, um, just getting solid work done and thinking that was going to get me where I needed to go. And I don't think that always happens. Unfortunately, I had a boss at the Philadelphia Bar Association who, Basically shepherded me through from uh, coming in as a coordinator and leaving as an assistant director. And it's a special sort of boss who can do that type of thing, who can make the transition with you and treat you, you know, appropriately in the different roles as you rise up and see the potential in you and promote you. Um, so, and he taught me everything from, he was really brutal sometimes. I mean, I was supervising lawyers who were twice my age and he would make me have corrective conversations with them. He would make me go out and deal with some of the, um, particularly challenge, challenging walk-in clients, many of whom had, um, behavioral issues or mental health challenges or whatever. So he put me in some very tough situations, but it was good in the long run that I learned to deal with those types of things and think on my feet. And then I had one particularly horrific boss who was really like a, just a stellar standout in a case study in everything you should not do um, as a boss. I think and we've all
0: had that. Yeah.
1: She, oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, I present uh, fairly frequently on, you know, managing upward, managing downward, you know, leadership, how to cultivate loyalty and things like that. Um, and that is all because of this person I worked for who was just horrific. Um, and, all, and those of us who work together under that individual, it was like a wartime bonding in the trenches. I mean, we have a, <laughs> a lasting bond that yes. kind of PTSD. But, um, and I think things have improved phenomenally in the past 20 years in this industry, but we, we had a lot of bad bosses for a while. So um, you know, it was something that I invested some time in writing and presenting uh, on that topic. So. Yeah,
0: so I hear you on that, um, and that's part of what, you know, in my presentation on, you know, understanding gender bias, that results of failure to communicate. It's it's mm-hmm. from that failure of, or maybe people who are meant to be managers, but have been put in positions of leaders, but don't know how to lead. That's That's a struggle, too. But I love that you say that because it is a good way you're keeping perspective. Once again, you're saying, you know, she was a, he or she was a horrific boss, um, but you took the lessons learned and turned a better way into it. And now you share those lessons with others. So win or learn, never lose once again. That's awesome. That's really great.
1: That's I mean, great. I, I certainly have my dragon days as a boss, I'm sure. I don't want to at all sound like I'm Mother <laughs> Teresa. But, my you dragon know, days,
0: I, that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: As a, as a rule, I attempt to be um, much more even-handed than that individual was.
0: Awesome. Awesome. We all have our days. We all have our days. So um, I you know that I, I think you've already answered this question like in so many great different ways, but I'm going to ask anyway in case something else comes to mind. Um, you know that I strongly believe in lifting other women, that we, we get, you know, the world tries to pit us against each other. So it's really, really mm-hmm. hard already. Um, But when women hurt women, that's just, you know, I'm like, why? Who has hurt you? What are you doing? Let me help you kind of thing. Well, how do you uh, advise women to support other women in business, especially in legal? That's a tougher and even tougher industry than corporate world.
1: Well, I mean, I think that there's, um, if you want to look at it as cynically as possible, there's always the bonding. You know, I mean, if you've got, uh, if you're a woman, partner at a firm and, you know, women in-house counsel, I mean, from a cynical standpoint um, you can play to that audience pretty well and and try to develop business that way. From a non-cynical standpoint, we are all as women in in professional settings, you know, grappling with the same issues or whatever else. And most of those issues aren't a ton different from men, but some certainly are. Um, So I think the more that you can create networks, formal or informal, the more you can do, you know, as Malcolm Gladwell talks about connectors, the more you yes. can put people together who make sense, who have synergies, who might have something to offer each other, the better. Um, I really do think that candor is important. Yes. Um, you know, I think sometimes women in, in professional settings can be a little superficial, And how they interact with each other and whatever else, when, you know, if they were more candid and dug in deeper to the relationship a little bit, the feedback that they could give each other would be much more powerful and meaningful and helpful ultimately to them. Um, so I think that's important.
0: Yeah. It sounds like, you know, candor, vulnerability, being real, authenticity, those things are important.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, look, it's, um, I know some women, I know, get, you know, they get frustrated when it's women in business or we're talking about women's issues and everybody's talking about babies or, you know, work life balance or whatever. And not everybody has those same challenges, but we all have challenges. You know, we've all gone to work with something on our shirt, whether it's baby puke or coffee we spilled or whatever (laughs) else, right? We all have those mornings and being understanding of the challenges that we all face outside of the office. Um, I think is important, um, particularly as a boss, you know, to to create a place where people can feel safe trying to balance those things. Um, and at the same time, it's like, look, we I always say to lawyers when I'm coaching them, if they belong to um, various types of, you know, various diverse groups, you know, if you are. Irish, if you're whatever, Italian, if you're a woman, you know, we all have these pieces of ourselves or ethnic identities, whatever. And we deal with the negative side of that. We deal with the stereotypes that come from it or discrimination that comes from it or biases. So let's take the good part, right? Let's let's play to that audience that we have those connections to in some respects, right? So yes. um, I think that we need to to look at it that way. So that's a really windy, unwieldy answer to your question.
0: No, it was a great answer. And in fact, I love that you make me laugh. Not all my guests make me laugh so much. Um, And I I think I'm pretty funny. So I'm not the easiest customer when it comes to making me laugh. (laughs) Um, You know, I know funny, let me just say. Um, But you mentioned puke on your shirt. I'm sure that's not been your biggest challenge or setback. So tell me what has been and how did you overcome it?
1: Um, I mean, I think just at a foundational level, I come from a working class family. My parents were the first in their families to go to college. My mom got her degree when I was about eight years old. My dad um, went into overkill mode because he really didn't know what to do work-wise, so he decided to go uh, get a bachelor's and then a master's and then a doctorate. Wow. Wow. Um, So, you know, I didn't, and and then one became a professor and one became um, a social worker. So I didn't have a roadmap for a corporate environment or even a nonprofit environment or even a newspaper environment, right? Um, So figuring out the pieces of that and identifying those people who could be mentors or helpful to me, um, you know, learning how to... Uh, read a room, things like that. I think all of that was a little bit challenging from the start. Yeah. Um, But it's good because it makes you, you know, you're scrappy and resourceful and you have to figure it out on your own. Um, You know, certainly another challenging time from a professional standpoint was um, when I was laid off in the summer of 2008. I mean, I've worked since I was 12 years old. I've never been laid off from a job. It really was a big hit for me. and I, I am the breadwinner in the family. My husband's a stay at home dad. So, oh, nice. so I immediately went into psychotic um, <laughs> mode yeah. and he was like, Hey, just enjoy the summer. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're sleeping on the streets and he, you know, whatever. Um, just a wee touch of melodrama there, but you know, so I took a job at a firm where I thought, well, you know, it's, it's a job and I'll just take this, whatever. And, uh, And that firm was Fox Rothschild, and it ended up being a stupendous experience for me, Um, you know, and I still feel as if I'm part of the Fox family, and I have lifelong friends that I've made while working there, Um, and I can, you know, wax um, all sorts of emotional about it. But I think you have to look at these things, and again, I did not look at it at the time, but, you know, good can come from bad. Um, Yes. You have to keep an open mind, and but but getting laid off was a challenge, you know. I mean, it was scary because that's the cuts to paying your mortgage and getting your bills taken care of, and all of that stuff. Um, so that you know was one of my more recent challenges, I guess.
0: So, I have to say, I have my respect for you was already so great, and it's now exponentially greater. Um, I love this dynamic. You know what I do for a living and you know what I do Mm -hmm. for giving. And the fact that you are the breadwinner and your husband's the stay-at-home dad is just such a beautiful story that you're just busting all the stereotypes. And I just love it. And it's so great. And honestly what my husband wouldn't give to be a stay-at-home dad but he has no excuses now that our son is going off to college we have no kids at home anymore so (laughs) one
1: one of my husband's favorite stories is I so we went to the allergist with one of our kids and and the allergist said uh well what type of vacuum do you have (laughs) like I said I think it's blue and my husband you know then said (laughs) the brand and blah 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 and he said and it's red so um, you know, we have our <laughs> That's the greatest
0: story ever. I'm going to use that in my sessions. That is so awesome. I, love I mean,
1: yeah, uh, my husband is a patient guy. He's better with the uh, teen girls than I ever would be. We have a Chinese exchange student, uh, sort of revolving door at our house too.
0: Wow. Um,
1: he handles all of that. And he also, um, I do love to tell this story. I mean, you can't say big law doesn't give back. I worked at Deckert. Uh, a long time ago, close to 20 years, probably, and um, no, about 17. Anyway, um, I was friendly with the secretary to the head of litigation, um, and we stayed in touch a little bit through Facebook and whatnot. We saw each other once in the intervening, like, 15, 16 years. Um, when my husband needed a kidney transplant uh, about a year and a half ago, I... I'm outgoing, but I'm I'm relatively private about quote unquote real stuff in my life. But I decided I have to market the heck out of this guy and get him a kidney because I wasn't yeah. matched, sister was disqualified, whatever. So Mark on September 13th of 2018 received a kidney transplant from the uh, miraculous Kim Kramer, who was the secretary to the head of the litigation department at Becker wow. when I worked there. So yeah. So Pretty Trish, amazing.
0: I followed that on Facebook. I donated. I was like moved by your story and just yep. watching with bated breath. As you know, I too was going through some of the, some yep. yeah stuff with my mom. But um, the fact that she did that, or is it a she? Kim is a she or he? Kim is a she. Kim is a she. No. Wow. That is, I have tears. Like you've moved me throughout this, what, 30 minutes from laughing you know, belly laughing to tears welling up in my eyes.
1: Well, it is, is, that's it's, it's an amazing story. thing. And her husband donated a kidney to the grandparent of um, the biological siblings, the adoptive grandparent of biological siblings of one of their adopted kids um, just two months wow.
0: ago. So, so they're, They call themselves
1: the, uh, the one yeah. kidney framers now. <laughs>
0: The one, Kidney Kramers. That is so great. Yeah. Um, I should interview her on my podcast. She sounds amazing. Her whole, yeah. family. Um, what a beautiful story. So there's so much I want to ask you. We, we maybe we, I'm going to write a blog. You know that. So after after this recording is done, people who listen and follow me know that I write a blog about you. I'll include some pictures, not just your headshot, but some real life. <laughs> you know who you really are, um, and a, a few stories about that. And then anything you might want me to include, like if done a video, or you talk, or train, or whatever, you know, an article you've written, maybe, um, you know, vegetable litigation, or something cool like that, (laughs) (laughs) so I'll put all that in there, but um, I have had so many surprises in this interview, uh, very much more than normal, I'll tell you, it makes me feel like I'm doing my homework, but it just really is, because you're so multifaceted, so try to surprise me, and try to surprise the audience, is there something else that not that you haven't already, but oh my, is there something else that you can tell us about you? Uh, maybe a recent story or something that's happened that um, is worthy of note?
1: You know, whenever I get asked that question, I always think I'm not really that interesting. So...
0: Oh my God, um, you are.
1: You are. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'm a true crime aficionado. I love to cook. I'm a grandmother to two. I, um, you know, I did all the prisoner correspondence at the Philadelphia Bar Association and once got a, a cookie and cream uh, candy bar and a hip-hop magazine from one of my prisoners. Uh, I did not assume <laughs> aforementioned candy bar. Um, and I, I have 75% of a master's in Irish studies and 75% of a master's in public administration. So clearly wow. I... Have- I can't close.
0: (laughs) Right, right. No, that's very, very cool. That's awesome. So um, I uh, have no Irish in me, but I have a lot of Italian and a lot of Jewish, and those are very Mm -hmm. spicy people, fiery, spicy people. Um, And when you use your powers for good and not evil, you can't be stuck. I see that in you um, very much. So I heard a story a little bit about your creative juices flowing on how to recover something you left in an Uber, perhaps
1: uh yeah okay so um just a few days ago I was headed into the office early and most people who know me know I am not an early bird by nature I am very much a night owl um and for the first time in my entire life I left a bag in a cab and uh you know it was no big deal it had a pair of shoes it had you know maybe some um earbuds and my work laptop um so I proceeded to go insane and um (laughs) I was calling the, the company that, and this was not an Uber, this was a yellow cab. So okay. I was just using the curb app and I paid through that. So I was able to at least track some information on the cab when I got out, but I was calling, you know, their customer service, et cetera, et cetera, emailing and to no avail because it was seven thirty in the morning or whatever. And I thought I cannot let this sit and percolate all day. Um, so I looked up the company on LinkedIn, quickly scanned, found the general counsel, called them, went through the name phone tree, left him a voicemail regarding my stuff, just said, hey, I'm you know a chief marketing officer at a law firm in town. I'm trying to recover a bag I left. If you can assist, call me back in 10 minutes. We had a nice conversation. Wow. I said, I it worth your while, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, well, how, how did you get my number? <laughs> <laughs> You're an
0: attorney and investigate the good kind from back right.
1: I proceeded to explain and he you know probably was a little bit scared and said, oh that's that's my first givebo and I was like right or a crazy person I don't know. So uh, <laughs> needless right. to say by two that afternoon I had my bag back, everything in it. Wow um, and I made it worth the driver's while to come back down and give it to me and I will uh, will certainly say thank you in some way shape or form to the the general counsel of Curb. So
0: I have to say, uh, that is a great story. And I bet that your firm loves you for that creative thinking. And you know me, I'm thinking, wow, what a great way to develop relationships.
1: Oh, exactly. I'm inviting this guy to a panel. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You are a superstar. I'm totally, as normal, putting all of your contact information or whatever you want me to put in the blog so that people can reach you if you'd like to be reached. Um, Sure. If you'd like to share that with us now on on the uh, podcast, how would people reach you if they want to reach out to you and hear more?
1: Um, I think the best way to reach me is via email, which is Trish, T-R-I-S-H, Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y, all one word, at gmail.com. Or they can always text me at 609-970-2423.
0: Very nice. So I don't think I have a guest that usually gives their phone number and says text me. That's very nice. Very nice. I didn't
1: say call because I won't call you back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't answer my phone. I'm like, what is the phone? This this smartphone should be called
1: a smart picture holder. Or Uh, my cousin and I have a thing going because he says, you know, I text my father and he calls me. Doesn't he get it? He's 80 it's different
0: yeah totally totally so you have been one of my most delightful guests this has been a joy I I, w- I wish we could go longer I find historically people have things to do and they start trailing off at about 45 minutes for sure so I try to keep these to 30 minutes but I could see us having a follow-up maybe in a year or so uh, to see what's up with Trish today And uh, you'd have some funny stories because I can see that you have a very robust life. Of course, just being in that area of the nation is, you know, you're always on. Things are happening. It's fun. At least that's what we think about New York from California. Um,
1: And we like fun fun is a word for it. Yes. The circus is (laughs) 24-7.
0: The circus. That's great. That's great. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share before we say our goodbyes?
1: I don't. I think I've exhausted my sharing for the day.
0: No, you're awesome. You're awesome. This was my pleasure. Um, I learned a lot that I didn't know, and I thought I knew a lot already about you. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Have a great day. Go get them. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.